Praise God. How many is ready for the word of God? Me too. I came in excited today. I walked in and the last song of the set was something kind of hip hop. I don't know if any of you caught that. So I came out in the front here and I started just kind of like doing some dancing. And I was dancing for the praise team. And all of a sudden, uh, I think Carlos got me first and Carlos started doing it. I'm like, I wonder how many of them I can get. And all of a sudden, I see Tracy and she's starting to do this. And then, and then I, think, uh, I think you got it. Franco ended up getting it. It got all the way down to Justin and Justin just stood there. He's like, Pastor Barb, I ain't moving. And Chrissy kind of went like this. Her body didn't move, but her hands kind of went like, well, Pastor Barb's doing it. I mean, I should do something here. <laughs> anyway, so I came in happy today, and I'm just excited. I'm going to finish up, and I promise you, our last session on the mind. I was going to finish up last week, but the Lord just put this so deep into my heart. So we're going to finish it today. Is that okay? So the session today, the series, ending the series, is called Victory Over Your Negative Thoughts. And I really want to focus on the negative thoughts in our life because they can be a dominant part in our life, can't they? Even when we don't realize it. How many know you can be in the middle of a really good or pretty decent life anyway and you still find things to complain about? Don't raise your hands. Take notes for your friends and family. It'll be a great message for them. But we can, we can be in a place where we do, we do have some good things going on in our life, but we have a tendency to always see the things that we don't have. And we find ourselves complaining about those things. And that's why Wednesday nights are so powerful because Pastor Paul is doing his series on gratitude. And it has been so good. And the power of a gratitude heart. And this just really goes in, in line with that, um, that Pretty much most of the time, our minds will drift to things that we want to complain about than the things that we can be thankful about. Amen? One of the things that we've learned over the last few weeks, and if you haven't caught the lessons, please jump online, take a few minutes, and uh, listen to those during the week because I believe it will change your life, just these few principles. But what we do know about our, our mind that we have learned over the last few weeks is that our mind is the battlefield. It is where the enemy rages war. If you think about it, where Jesus died, he died on the place of Golgotha, which is the place of the skull. So just think about as the blood dropped out of his body, it landed on the place of the skull. Your mind can be redeemed by the word of God. Amen. And so your battle is going to be in your mind. That's where they're won and that's where they're lost when you can bring those thoughts. So the life you have is often a reflection of the thoughts that you're thinking. So we have to say, I don't like the fruit of what I'm thinking. I don't want to eat that fruit anymore. I want to eat the fruit of the goodness of God's word. So what comes into your mind will show up in your life. And you think, well, I don't like that in my life. I don't like where I'm at. I, I, this isn't where I thought I was going to be. Then you have to go back to where your thinking has been because your thinking has gotten you where you're at today. And praise God, hopefully it's in some positive situations, right? But there might be some things that we need to take into alignment. Something that I've learned over the years is, is complaining and negativity can become a habit, it's just something that you always do. I'll put myself in there. We always do. And we don't realize that we've created a lifestyle of complaining and negativity. And let me give you the example of how damaging that can be without you realizing it. When I went to another church to take over their youth ministry, I inherited their youth team um, leadership. 
And their leadership had a leader that was very self-destructive, a lot of bad things going on, a lot of negativity. I don't even need to list them, but he desperately needed to be replaced, and I took his position. Well, the team that I received have gone through, um, you know, disgruntles. They've been unhappy. They had freedom, you know, to just kind of say and do whatever they wanted. And so here I come, and I'm like, let's be a cheerleader. We're going to do something for Jesus. We're going to build a great youth ministry, and I would have have a leadership team. They're like, yes, this is great. This is God. And we'd meet. And then I'd find out behind my back, this one guy was talking against everything I was doing, gathering everybody together and just kind of, well, what is she, who does she think she is? And, and why is she doing that? And, and so we would take some progression. And then this guy, he knew everybody on the team. I was new and he would rally them and just be so negative and talk everything down. And so I begin to see this pattern. And so he was really awesome. I loved him. His, his ability in the youth ministry was so great. He ran the media department. So he created the best videos and, you know, technology is so important for kids. And so I'm like, I want this guy on my team team, but he's undoing everything that I'm trying to build. And so I just brought him into the office and had a nice talk with him. And I said, can I ask you, why are you doing that? Like you're in the room with me and you're excited and you're celebrating and you're like, yes, this is great. And then you go out and I find all this gossiping and talking about everything that, you know, we shouldn't be doing and should be doing. And he just sat there. He goes, you know, he said, I do love everything you're doing. He said, I guess I realize it's just something I've always done. He didn't even realize it himself. So this pattern of self-destruction was in his life, and the very thing that they've been praying for was a new leader and, and new leadership. They were undoing because of his negative thinking and his negative talking. And I, I told him, I said, hey, listen, I want you on the team. I need you on the team, but I can't have this. Like, I can't have you coming against everything that I'm doing. You know, what do you think? He goes, you know what? I'm going to set it straight, and I'm going to get it right. And, you know, he became the key to bring all the leadership together, and we blew up that youth ministry at that church. So sometimes you may not realize why is things broken down in my life? Why am I not where I want to be? It's because you have probably developed a habit of negative thinking, of negative talk, which is so self-destructive in our life. And that's why the last couple of weeks we've been talking about renewing the mind, but I want to go into talking. Let's target it. Amen. Let's just hit the target. We're going to deal with negativity today. So let's look at our theme scripture verse that we've been talking about. 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 through 5. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Praise God for that. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretensions that set itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought, say every thought, and make it obedient to Christ. That's been our theme verse. You have control over your thoughts, amen? We don't war like the world wars. We don't wring our hands. We don't have to lose our joy or our peace. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. And the last couple of weeks, we talked about um, the neural pathways in our brain. And the more you think a negative thought, the more that pathway forms in your mind. But the opposite is true. The more you think a positive thought, the more the pathways that you can change your mind to think good things. You don't have to stay in your life where you're at. Amen. You don't have to stay broken, discouraged, 
poor relationships, abandonment, fear. That is not where you have to be. But you have to be willing to identify the negativity that is ruling your life and eliminate that self-destructive behavior. Amen? But you got to realize it. So I was thinking about in the Bible, Naomi and Ruth. And you look at the story of Naomi, and she was bottomed out. She had lost everything husbands and sons and she got to this place and she just told her daughter-in-laws which was the only thing she had left just go away from me there's nothing that I can give you her life seemed so bottom but then there was Ruth who said I'm not going anywhere I'm gonna stay with you there's something inside of her that says I don't know I know nothing in the natural you can give me can change but I'm gonna stay with you because I believe God has something better and because Ruth had a positive mentality not knowing what was about to come she was about to marry the wealthiest man in the land, and God was going to grace her, but Naomi kept herself down. Now, the other sister, you don't ever hear about Ruth's sister. Some of you might even not know her name. Why? Because she went away. She responded to Naomi's negativity, and she said, you're right. you got nothing to offer me. So she took off, but Ruth said, no, we're going to see the good in this. We're going to see the positive in this. So I want to share something that is scientific with you, but we're going to bring it biblical, okay? So there's a scientific um, a phrase that says cognitive biases, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. It's called cognitive, which is your brain, biases, and it means this. It's your mistakes in reasoning, right? You make a mistake in reasoning based on personal experiences or preferences, so let me just look. This is what scientists even can discover in our mind, that you have a filter in your mind. And that filter is based on your experience in life. And if it was brokenness, unless you're healed by the Lord, you will use that filter no matter the Lord wants to bring you joy. He wants to bring you good relationships. He wants to restore your marriage. But you're defaulting back to a filter of your past that tries to tell you who you are based on your experiences. And that's why Jesus said, look unto me, quit looking to your past, quit looking to how mom and dad wasn't there for you, quit looking to the failure, we've got to look unto Jesus. We've got to take the filter of the bias of our experience and remove it according to the word of God. It's a mental filter. And I can promise you, no matter what God wants to pour in your life that is good, if you don't remove the bad thinking, it'll always filter. You will never experience love. You will never experience true joy. You will never feel like you can have a great marriage or that you can be successful or God has his very best for you because you're allowing the past of your experience to determine who you are. Can you see why God is so strong in the word, why it's important to renew your mind daily to the word of God? Because the past is always going to come at us. I've said this every week probably. We don't need the enemy. We have the inner me. The inner you yells at yourself all the time that you're not good enough. You're not worthy. You'll never be what God's called you to be. And all of those are lies of the enemy. God has great things in store for you. He has your heart's desires, your dreams. More than you want them, he desires them for your life. But a filter, it's a filter that will cause you to see a situation incorrectly. And you're like, no, I'm right, I'm right. See, I'm right. Well, if you were raised around or been at a church with controlling leadership 
and that's your experience, and you broke away from control, a controlling spirit manipulative, what's going to happen if you don't find healing to remove that bias, you can come into any great church, and you're going to filter that church or that leadership. Man, they're just trying to control me. They're just trying to manipulate me. I got to leave this church. I got to go somewhere where I can have freedom. And God may have had you in a great church that has great freedom for your growth, but your experience on your past leadership, that bias, you only see that in your life. And that's why you see people who are literally unchurched today. Because everywhere I go, the church hurts me. Everywhere I go, the church does it. Everywhere the pastor, the people. Not saying that there aren't true circumstances, but there's a cognitive bias in your life that you're never going to find a perfect church. It doesn't exist. We're pretty close to it. I cover that with the blood of Jesus right now. No, of course we're not a perfect church. We love our church. There's no, no perfect church out there. But there are people who are unhappy with God's bride because they haven't changed their experience. They can't see it through the lens of God's word and God's grace and God's love. What a horrible place to live, isn't it? That you can't find that freedom. Maybe uh, there's girls who grew up around abusive men. You know, abusive father, and everywhere they turned, men hurt them, and they couldn't be trusted. And so now, even if God was to bring a good man of God, that cognitive bias, that filter, makes me feel like I don't know if I can trust them. So I can't really let someone in my life. I, I'm going to view every man as someone abusive in my life. And that happens all the time. So we have to find ourselves in God's word. Finding what God's word says. I have to change this filter that God loves me. He has good things in store for me. Amen. He has beautiful. I'm the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. That's the filter of God's word. But if you find yourself where you were at a year ago in relationships, in your finances, in your spiritual walk, there's somewhere you've not changed your experience. It's time to change your filter. Men, time to change the filter. Let's get the word of God on that filter. And you watch and see God begin to change things like that. Because his word is not a respecter of persons. He's not one because you're better and you're better. No, he's no his word is his word. And the Bible says when you send it out, it accomplishes that to which it was sent. It doesn't come back to me void. So if that isn't happening, why? There's a filter. Right? See, I told you that was going to happen again. And we've all been there, haven't we? So the filter tends you to shape how you see a situation. So whatever filter, it shapes how you, whatever it is, you love. It shapes how you serve. It shapes how you give. It shapes how you trust. The filter is so powerful. And in the ministry, I am constantly having to change my filter. Man, I've been betrayed and talked against and lied on, and it's been so emotional, and I have to constantly get that old filter off and stay into the, that's why the Bible says daily. There's sometimes you need it minutely, amen? Secondly, hallelujah. Like I just cleaned it up and you walk out the door and boom, there's something else trying to steal your joy. Because of what happened to you, you make, listen, you make inaccurate judgments of the people around you or the situations around you. They're wrong. God has his best for you. If it's been a constant in your life, the filter has to come off. 
It's not the situation that's the problem. It's the way you're thinking that is the problem. If you grew up seeing bad marriages all the time, you may expect a bad marriage. You just think, well, I could never have a good marriage. And maybe you had a bad marriage. You're like, see, I, all that's for me is bad marriages. No, God has a wonderful kingdom, godly marriage for you. But you have to be willing to change yourself. If you're raised poor and struggling, that's a behavior you have to change. That's a filter that you have to change in your mind, that God wants you blessed. He wants you successful. He wants you favored. But you have to go, is there something that I have a belief system on the inside of me that is contrary to what God's word says about me? Amen? All right. The filters, they shape how you see your life. And, you know, filters are so popular on social media, aren't they? Thank God for filters. I mean, when you hit the 40s, come on, somebody. Thank you for the filter. Well, I don't know. Y'all are young at 40 still. But what happens? There's so many filters out there. And when you get to tweak that picture out just a little bit with the filter, it changes everything, right? You went from going, I got to go on a diet to like, woo, that's a pretty picture of me. You're like, you just believe that filter, right? And we should. That, that's what filters do. When you change the filter, it changes how you feel. It changes what you believe. You can take the world by storm. You can believe God for a great business. You can believe God for healing in your body when you simply change the filter of how you see things. Cognitive bias is a default filter in our life. It's just on default. And we have to be willing to recognize it. Last week I talked about the wrong wiring. Well, cognitive basic thinking is pre-wiring. It's already wired to exist, to throw you off course, to cause you to misinterpret a situation. Misinterpret. How many times in the church have you been offended? You know, well, they didn't say hi to me. I just don't even know what. They just walked right by me and didn't even speak to me. That's a filter. Somewhere there was rejection. Somewhere somebody hurt you. Instead of going, well, I wonder if they're okay today. Like, they didn't speak to me. I hope they're okay today. See the difference? Like, man, they didn't even speak to me. Man, I hope they're okay. That's the filter. Isn't it better to walk out of church going, man, I need to call them and make sure they're okay, than going, what the heck was wrong with them? Unfriend them on social media. Right? You see the difference? That will keep us constantly frustrated if we have the wrong filter, especially in the church. But that can be on the job. It can be anywhere. I know you, you, know, you could say, you know what, I'm going to decide to trust. I'm going to be vulnerable again, and we probably have all been there. I'm going to open up my heart. I'm going to get involved with the church, and boom, there it is again. And you go, see, I, I just can't do this. I'm done. I'm, I'm done feeling that way. I'm done feeling betrayed. I'm done feeling controlled. And those are very real. You feel your truth is your truth. But what it is is destructive thinking to get you out of the purposes and the plans of God. So if I can, the enemy can use my past experiences, I can love Jesus and I can have some fruit in my life, but he will limit your ability and what you can do if you don't fully trust him at what his word says about you. And about the situation. And we've all seen that in our life, haven't we? This is why two people can respond differently in the same situation. If you've ever been on a job and an employer has to come along and give a, uh, a review, an employee review, and he could have two employees sitting there giving the same information, the same maybe critiques or whatever it is, and just really pouring out, trying to be, make the best employees. It's the same voice they're hearing. And one will walk away going, who do they think they are? 
who are you to talk to me like this? I don't deserve to be talked to like this. And they walk away offended. They walk away like, I'm going to quit this job. How dare he talk to me like that? But the other person who heard the same exact information will walk up and say, man, thank you so much for that. I didn't know my behavior was like that. I didn't know I was responding like that. Or thank you for training me because I've never been trained that way before. The same information, but the wrong filter. It's not the information that's wrong. It's our filter that is wrong. We have to be willing to change that. Amen? It's not the facts. It's not the facts. It's the filter. People who have been hurt by the church, they think everybody in the church is hypocrites. Who's ever heard somebody say that before? Church, all there is is hypocrites. They come, they, well, finally talk them into coming to church. I hate this church. Music's too loud, right? I don't ever want to come back. Why? Because they got a filter that everybody in the church, they only want your money or they're all hypocrites. And unless the Spirit of God can work through that, because they probably were at a church that had a lot of hypocrites in it. Amen? And so now everybody's hypocrites in the church. Well, there's nobody perfect in the church. But the other one would come into the same worship service, same word, same worship, and go, man, I felt the power of God in this place. Other one's like, I didn't feel nothing. That preacher's word was just for me, really. I thought she talked too fast, <laughs> told too many stories, Right? One feels the presence. They, they love the music. They're here because God said, I, God says, you're here. I'm going to set you free. This is your welcome home moment. And we've seen that in here. It's not the facts. It's the filter. God gave us a powerful example in the word of God in Numbers, I think it's 13 and 14, when Moses sent in 12 spies to spy out the promised land. Same 12 people seeing the same landscape right? Two came out and said, man, this is beautiful. Did you see the size of those graves? It was great. Let's go take the land. And the other 10 said, have you lost your mind? Did you not see the giants that's in the land? There's no way we're too fearful to go in. Same story, same picture, same facts, two different sites, two different viewpoints. If you look at that, the 2 versus the 10, the percentage of possibility was so low. Think how easy it is to think the negative than it is to take the time to think the positive. The 2 saw the giants. They saw the things that seemed impossible, but they chose to see the amazing things they've never experienced before. You got to look in your life, and yes, there's things you could see. I wish I didn't have. I wish it wasn't this way. This isn't where I thought I was supposed to be. Or you could look at the little things that are there and go, but man, I'm in a good church. Man, I love Jesus. My children are serving God. It may not be exactly the way I want, but there's some good things in my life that I can take notice of. Amen. Amen. Same situation, but different viewpoint. I also want to look at this. I want to show you an example today, which is why I have the TV in the picture behind me, if you were wondering. I want to talk to you about not only the filter, but as you remove the filter, you need to reframe. There's a tooling called in counseling, reframing your perspective. It's cognitive reframing. So reframing is this. I'm going to create a different way of looking at a situation or relationship by changing its meaning. 
That means you can be looking, like I said, the same situation facing you. We're all facing the economy. We're all facing the wars and rumors of wars. We're, we're all facing this. But how are we framing it? Are we seeing it the way God sees it? Or are we seeing, seeing it in despair and gloom? Because you could see it either way. So I want to talk about framing. I have a little tiny frame here. We have the ability in our life to frame what we see. And we can look at all the negativity. I hope this point's getting across. You can look at all the darkness, all the frustration, all the things that seem real in the world. And they're there and you can see them. Or you can reframe and begin to see what God sees. You can begin to see the, the beauty of God, the hope and the faith and the joy and the good things that are in your life. Maybe your children aren't serving God yet. Maybe, maybe they're not. But you know what? Thank God they're not dead. Thank God they're still breathing air and they have time to get it right. Thank God they've got the Holy Spirit that can work on your behalf, right? Your marriage may be going through hell and it may be struggling and you don't know what's going to happen, but you can see the faith of God and the hope and the joy of your marriage and find the good things that are happening in that marriage. Can you see the importance of reframing what you see? It's the same landscape, you guys. We all have the possibility, potential of looking at all the dark areas of our life, but we all have the same ability to look at the good goodness of God and his word. And I can tell you there's sometimes I'm way over here and, and it, I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm going to take baby steps. It's like I'm like, okay. I don't know how I'm going to get there, God, but every step of faith gets you there. It gets you there. Or you can sit and reside in the place of the darkness and the despair and all the things that you hate and believing every lie of the enemy. Because God says, I come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. That's not the dark. Don't frame your world in the dark things. Frame it to the potential of God's word, and it will transform your life and your children's life. And sometimes we wait for the storm to go away. And God's like, that's not always going to happen. You have to choose to get into the sun. You have to choose to see the goodness. Sometimes we're waiting on other people or things to change, and God's like, no, you're going to change. You're going to break the things off of the old. You're going to stop believing you're handicapped because your dad wasn't there for you. You're going to stop believing that you're an alcoholic because everybody in your family was an alcoholic. You're going to stop believing that you're a failure because somebody told you you're a failure. You have to decide. I'm not going to believe the lie. I'm going to remove that filter. I'm going to take the filter of God's word, and I'm going to transform my life. I can tell you anybody that you admire that's serving God and, and has some blessings in their life, they had every chance to sit in the dark storms. And I've stayed in some of them too long sometimes. But we have the same choice to get up, say get up, get in the word of God and find the truth of God's word. And let the ray of God's truth come into your life. Amen? Don't wake up and say, well, it's a bad day today. I'm going to hate going to work today. I can't stand those people that I work with. My boss is a joke. Well, guess what? You're framing your world, and so it is. Has anybody ever lived that day? Yeah. And you go to work ornery and mad. You're not even enjoying it. But guess what? You get a paycheck every week. Hallelujah. You got some insurance. Hallelujah. You may have a rotten boss, but that boss isn't going to determine my day. I'm going to determine my day. Amen. Reframe your thinking 
and choose, get up and say, tomorrow's going to be a great day. I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to be favored. I'm going to be promoted. They're going to put me in the best position. They're going to give me the pay raise because I walk in the Holy Spirit. That, what are you doing? You're putting yourself right where the Lord sees you when you declare that. I don't know, you know, I, I had to reframe my mind. I'll, I'll talk about that in just a minute. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But you have to say, thank you, God, that you are with me and you are for me. And I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed going out and I'm breathing air. I may be walking slow, but I'm still walking, God. I may live in a little apartment, but thank God I got an apartment because there are thousands living on the street today. You may have to buy, you know, food and budget and you got to make ends meet. Praise God, you can do it. Thank God for stores that you can do it. Thank you for crock pots. Hallelujah. It may not be the filet mignon you want, but quit framing your world and the things you don't, you don't have. And be thankful for what you do have. Thank you, Jesus. And that will give you the joy and that will give your faith to expect the very thing that you're wanting from God. Stop murmuring and complaining and being negative in your thoughts and with your, your words. Because that may be in the natural, but that is not facts according to God's word. And I'm going to remove that filter. Amen? You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. I can't control if somebody's mean to me or betrays me. I can't control it. And it can definitely send us into the dark storms, but I can control how I respond to it. And it may take me out for a minute. It may get me, you know, crying in the shower for a minute. But I'm going to pick myself up, and I'm getting in the sunshine. And I'm saying the Lord's going to redeem me. The Lord's going to make my name great. God's going to restore me. And, and whatever he needs to do, he's going to do for me. Amen. And get back and put your faith boots on and remove that filter. That filter keeps you sad and broken and broke and unhappy. And withdrawn, it's not a place God wants us to be. Think about your life right now. How many of you, don't raise your hands, wanted something different than where you're at right now? You had different expectations of your life right now, and you were living the exact opposite. We may need to go back and say, hey, maybe by this time, I thought I would have done this, I would have accomplished that. We need to go back and say, I'm removing the filter because God wants that for my life. God wants you to be blessed. He wants the things that you've worked hard for. Maybe you've worked hard for a degree and you can't get the job that you desperately need right now. Maybe you dreamed of a great marriage and, and you ended up going through a painful divorce. What, it's the exact opposite. And you think, why am I not where I wanna be? And how many has been confused by that before? Like, I'm not where I want to be, God. I know where you want me, but I'm not there yet. I'm going to give you a quick example this morning of Paul. Paul could so relate to this because he loved God. He always wanted to please God. And he said one day, this was his dream, I want to be in Rome and I want to preach the gospel of Jesus. That was his dream. One day I'm going to get to Rome. And he really felt like if I could get to Rome, he could catapult, catapult revival and start the church. This was his dream. And yet when we're going to read here in Philippians 1, he found himself in Rome, but he was in prison. That's not where he thought he should be. He envisioned himself free, preaching the gospel, raising up church leaders. This was his heart's passion, and yet he found him in a place of disappointment. 
How did he end up in prison when he was called there with passion to do something else? I know we all can relate to that. So we're going to look at first excuse me, Philippians 1, 12 through 13, and we're going to look at the NWV version. And it means this, the new whiners version. <laughs> Y'all have this Bible at home somewhere. This translation, I know you do. Maybe Paul said this, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me really sucks. <laughs> He's in prison bound. As a result of hell I've been through, I'm quitting. And I'm never going back to church or celebrate freedom or rooted. <laughs> I'm done. I'm out of here. Have we not all been there? This isn't where I want to be. Something's wrong with me, God, or you're not fair, or whatever it is. And God's like, stop whining. Oh, I'm sorry. That hurt. <laughs> Let's stop whining about those things. Let's go back to what Paul really said. The true translation. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what ha happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. <laughs> what did he say? I'm here, I'm in change, but boy, God's doing great things in this prison cell. And I can choose to be down here bound and in lies and disgusted and unhappy and having no joy in my life. But he said, this prison has advanced the gospel. As a result, it has become clear through the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in change for Christ. He couldn't be out there, but he said, while I'm in here, guess what? I'm chained up and I'm locked up, but there's a new guard every eight hours that's locked up with me. He saw the good. He didn't have the filter of what he wanted. He took the moment and said, I will preach the gospel chained up. And every eight hours, he had a new prisoner guard that I know he shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with. There's no doubt in my heart. Amen. The word was out that Paul was down there using this affliction for the advancement of the kingdom of God. What better glory is there for God than somebody to see your life in a place they go, ooh, I, I, that's hard that they're in. But you're still praising God. You're still showing up at church. You're still serving. You're still giving. Why? I'm going to use this moment to give glory to God. And I don't know in the midnight hour when I'm singing again, those chains are going to be broken and captives are going to be set free. Amen. And the prisoner guards that I've been ministered to are going to get saved and they're going to say, what must I do? to be saved and their whole household. Listen, when you rejoice in the dark seasons, it'll change your life and all those around you. Or the opposite is true. It'll keep you in chains and in bondage. And everyone else, none of those prisoners would have been set free had Paul not framed the glory of God in a situation he was not happy to be in. I didn't do anything to get here. I shouldn't be here. I've been, all I've been doing is honoring and obeying God and trusting God. And I find myself in chains. He never said that. What most people would think is bad, he framed it for good. Let's look at the next verse. I love this. Paul's so awesome. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord. He led him to Jesus and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Who was going to reach the prisoners? There was nobody there. Paul did. 
God put him in that prison cell so that he would rejoice in his afflictions and win them for the gospel of Jesus Christ. How can you reframe your story? We all have something, don't we? Every one of us has something we can reframe in the negativity of how we're seeing our life. And we need to take time to see it. It could be your family, your kids, doctor reports, constant fighting, financial, fear, whatever it is. It's the small things in our life that can bump you right out of the will of God. Don't let that win. Get the victory over that merry-go-round situation and find the truth. So really quick this morning, I got six minutes. We're going to reframe your story or relationships. I'm going to teach you how to do that. Are you ready? All right, take some good notes. Number one, thank God for what didn't happen. Thank God for what didn't happen. Yeah, there's a the bad situation, but what didn't happen? I heard this story of this girl. She went to her parents, and she said, well, Mom and Dad, I want you to know I went out last night to a club and started drinking a lot. Everybody was drinking, and I met this guy and went back to my apartment, and, you know, we hooked up and found out that I'm pregnant, and now the guy's in jail, and as soon as he gets out of jail, we're not going to be able to afford anything, so we're probably going to live together. So she's dropping a bomb on her parents. And the parents' eyes were just like bugged out, you know, just kind of freaking out. And she goes, no, I'm just kidding. I got a D on my algebra test. <laughs> so, you know, you got to see, find the good thing. that they're probably, Hallelujah, my daughter ain't pregnant with a guy in jail, you know. That's okay, sister girl. You're okay with that D, Right? <laughs> Find the good that's there because maybe something did happen, right? But God can work all things together for good. Maybe there was a loss, but God can figure it all out. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. Find something to be thankful for. Amen example, maybe you've been working at your job and you're not been able to get your bonuses or whatever. Thank God you didn't lose your job. Thank God for what didn't happen. You're still able to pay the bills. It may not be what you want, but thank God for the good that's still there. And then trust God and the timing to work it all out. Amen. Maybe there was a car wreck, and I, I think that happened here to a precious lady. And, and, you know, you don't have a car now, but thank God nobody died. You know, thank God. There's these things that you can begin to thank God for what didn't happen when it could have happened. You may have lost blank, but you've gained blank. I think we might have that. But you may have lost something, but what did you gain? Just stop and think about that a minute. You may have to lose time with your children, but you've gained the ability to pay some bills. Right? What is the thing that you've lost but you gained? You think about, I don't even know where it's at in my notes. It's probably coming up. I'll skip it when I get to it. But I think about when pastors, the churches, and everything shifted gears, and we weren't allowed to open up anymore, and that was so painful. I can tell you every pastor was framing it right here. It was just devastating. How are we going to reach people? How are we going to change their lives? How are we going to pray for them? How are we going to worship together? It was so horrible. Every one of us, and some pastors are still talking about the pain of that season. I can thank God I'm not. But the difference is we chose to reframe to see the good things that we could do. 
And we opened up our parking lot, and we had parking lot prayer. I didn't want that. I didn't want them in the parking lot. But guess what? Nurses came, didn't they? Off their shifts saying, oh, they have prayer in the parking lot. They drove by, rolled down their windows. They prayed with them. They led them to Jesus. They gave groceries. That was the good things that happened during that time. We opened up and passed out food. It's not what I wanted, but it's what we could do. Amen? And guess what? The church is still here. Hallelujah. We're still growing. The church of Jesus is still alive and well and powerful. And matter of fact, Wednesday night, we had a young man here that came one of those days that he was fed in the parking lot. A year later, he came and he um, sat on the back row Wednesday night. See the good things of God. Amen. See the good things. Thank God for what didn't happen. It could have been so much worse. Man, number two, practice pre-framing. That means you're going to get your thoughts in alignment and decide how you want life to be. Amen. Instead of it's going to be bad and it's going to be hard. No, it's going to be good. I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to be favored. Amen. I'm going to, I'm going to have joy today. I'm, I'm framing my world before I even get out into the day. Pre-frame your world. So good. It's not going to be a hard day. It's going to be a great day. I love the challenges that's in front of me. I enjoy the people that I work with. I love my job. You're literally reframing the situation. And like I talked about this cognitive behavior, you have to reframe the bad event that you went through. You have to reframe it. And you have to see it the way that God sees it. And I've shared with you some of my examples. I'll share a little bit. But I... Um, in my early days, I would go to women's conferences, and I would get so rejected. I mean, I would just be left out. They, I wasn't good enough for them, and this rejection happened a couple times. And one time I was in the back with a group of very famous pastors, and one of the famous pastors just berated me right in front of the other girls and, and said, why are you still single? You know, you need a man. I mean, just like it was so embarrassing. And I really wanted to call her out because she was with an appropriate man. But I didn't. I kept my tongue. I kept my mouth shut. I did not touche her. But, but it, it embarrassed me. And it made me, it was an incident that go, I don't want to go to these events anymore. I'm so tired of being rejected by these women and not being good enough. And I framed my world and it seems like every time I went to these events, this happened. And that's why when I tell you the story, I don't say it to be prideful or because I want a best seat. I'm reframing my situation because the events made me feel rejected every time I went. I didn't have a big enough church. I didn't have all the Louis Vuittons. I, I just didn't measure up. And I'm like, I don't want to go to that anymore. So now because I feel that, it's an experience in my life, any event I go to, I have to reframe myself. And on my way there, I go, they are going to love me. They are going to celebrate me. They are going to think I am the best thing. They're going to want to just wrap their arms around me. I'm not. And guess what? I walk in, and it happens. They love me, and they celebrate me, and they do put me in good seats. But I had to reframe my mind. I had to reframe my experience of rejection and say, no, that's not who I am. Those kind of women, yeah, they were mean to me, but that's not. God has great women for my life. God has women of God for me. And guess what? Now we have Leading Ladies Arizona that touches women all over the city. Imagine if I'd have framed, kept my frame in this deception, I'd never be reaching the women in this valley. 
Amen. You see how the devil is? He keeps you away from God's very best. Reframe the bad event the way that God sees it. Amen. And number three, last one, look for the goodness of God. Look for the goodness of God. What did Peter do? He had to get out of that boat, or he didn't have to. He saw, I can walk on that water. He saw the possibility, amen? Look for the goodness of God. James 1.17 says this, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. God has good things for you. God has blessings for you. He has great jobs. He has great income. He has great favor for you. They come down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Aren't you so glad we serve a God that good things come down? Say good things. Good things come down from heaven and want to take over your life. If you don't want to like people, you will find all the people you don't like. Is that true? Look at the difference between a vulture and a hummingbird. A vulture is a prey. They're looking for dead things. They're the creepiest little animals. And they are huge, too, by the way. I see one up close. Quick joke. Well, it's not a joke. It's a true story. But I went to Florida to visit my friends who pastor there. And uh, they ha the church owns a retirement center right on the same property. So we're standing there talking. And I look over, and there's like 10 vultures right on the retirement building. I was like... That's not good marketing. <laughs> Need to put the spokes on the building or something because. Uh, but vultures, they look for the prey, don't they? They're just waiting, everything nasty. And, and sometimes we, we just look for the negative. We're always expecting all the yucky. But the hummingbirds, they just, and they look for the flowers. And, and they're looking for the sweet things that smell good. Let's be like the hummingbird. Let's not stomp around like a vulture, just always expecting the bad things. Amen? Let's reframe some things and believe God for some great things. Amen? Father, I thank you today for this amazing church, God. We thank you for this series that, Lord, you have asked to share. And I know that they're going to win the battle of negative thinking. Father, I just pray that this simple illustration will go with them today. That, Lord, they will recognize when they're framing the wrong thing. They will recognize when the filter rises up from past experiences, God. And, Lord, they will lean on and pull on your precious word that has power to change and transform their lives. And, God, I just speak blessings upon blessings, favor upon favor. I thank you for your precious anointing here today, Holy Spirit, to touch every heart. And, Lord, especially the hearts that are not in alignment with you right now, I thank you, God, that you can trouble our hearts for the things that trouble you. Holy Spirit, convict us and trouble us for the things that we need to acknowledge in our life that clearly belong to you, God, that we need to surrender to you everything that we're struggling with. And I want to make an invitation of coming back home to Jesus giving your life back to the Lord, maybe the first time, or maybe you're just a prodigal son and daughter, and you found yourself wandered back into church, and God sees you, and he loves you. And the most courageous thing you can do today is say yes to Jesus. Say, yes, Lord, I want to come back home. I want to surrender my life back to you. I want to have my good marriage. I want to have a good life. I want to be happy again. And that's just your free will to say yes to the Father. You don't have to have it all figured out after this. But this moment, God is looking for your yes.
He's calling on you in your heart. Just ask Holy Spirit, move through this place. If we need to repent of some things, God, we repent and we get it right. If we need to let go of the past and the shame and people and experiences, Father, we just say in the name of Jesus, we declare the blood of Jesus over it, that we want a new day in you today. I want everybody just to repeat this prayer and mean it with all of your heart. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins for falling away from you. I say yes to you today. I choose you. Change me. Help me. Give me joy and give me peace in the name of Jesus. With all eyes closed, heads bowed for just a minute. If you said that prayer and you meant it with all your heart, whether you're coming back to Jesus or saying it for the first time, just raise your hand all over this room. Just say yes. Just acknowledge. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There are hands all over this room. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you and praise you for these moments of salvation. We thank you for the prodigal sons and daughters. We thank you for renewed faith, joy, and hope, Father God. I ask, Lord, that you seal this moment of prayer with the blood of Jesus. Hedge of protection around everyone coming and going. Lord, breathe life and hope and joy into their lives, and we decree a thing in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen and amen. Listen, I love you all. Praise God.